We've got the Omicron, or as Joe Biden says, Omicron. It's Omicron uh, variant of COVID. It's it's not something new. It didn't. We didn't jump from Delta to Omicron. There have been uh, all sorts of variants in between. Some got news like Lambda. Most of them didn't. But here we are. And I thought, who best to talk to about this? And probably uh, we've had immunologists on and epidemiologists on. But what about? the emergency room doctors who are on the front lines of this stuff. I've got a friend who is an emergency room doctor, got his medical degree at, at Morehouse College and then did his residency with Emory University and now is an emergency room doc in addition to being a Marine uh, in one of the largest suburban urban areas of the Southeast, Gwinnett County, Georgia. That is uh, my friend Rich McCormick, who was also a candidate for Congress in the 7th uh, last time. Rich, how are you? Good, sir. How are you? Great. So let me let's back up uh, before we get into this current uh, variant Omicron and what you think about it to the beginning days of COVID. What was it like to be an emergency room doctor? Scary times. We uh, the nursing staff uh, were exposed repeatedly. Uh, we were exposed before we even really knew it was in the United States. Uh, people were getting fevers and, and uh, having all the symptoms of the disease process without even having a testing process, without having good uh, protective gear, without knowing really how to treat this disease. This is a whole, when you have a novel virus, not knowing how it affects you, how easily it's uh, spread and what the outcome can be is, uh, is an alarming thing, very stressful thing for the ER. Uh, we, it was funny, we actually emptied out the ER at the beginning because nobody wanted to come to the ER and be exposed to it. And uh, we saw a huge amount of, uh, of just very deadly disease take place, especially with our vulnerable populations. It was high, high mortality rate with uh, especially those people that had conditions that made them susceptible to the disease. And along the way as well, I, I, I can imagine you were dealing with people who they, they put off and put off and put off going to the emergency room for other things. And then suddenly you're dealing both with COVID and with suddenly people who have critical conditions that put off actual uh, preventative care. Absolutely. My wife's an oncologist, and she's seen a huge uptick in, uh, in cancers that were more advanced because people didn't want to come in and get checked out. Uh, we've seen the same thing with some heart conditions. Uh, we've seen a huge uptick in psychiatric illnesses. Uh, as you probably realized, uh, we had over 100,000 people overdose on drugs and die. Uh, that's just the people who died. Think about if you have 100,000 people who overdose to the point where, where they stop breathing, uh, the amount of millions of people that are actually affected by this on everyday living where their families are, are dealing with drug addictions, with uh, depression, anxiety, where kids are, are uh, absolutely burdened with this same uh, just mentality of fear. Now, along the way, as we learned more about COVID, we had different, uh, I guess, prescriptions coming down from Washington. Don't wear a mask. The first responders need it to then wear a mask to now always wear your mask to stay inside. And like I said early on, a, a, a lockdown for a month here in Georgia while hospitals built up their resources kind of made sense. And some states now you've got the federal government, even Joe Biden, not ruling out future lockdowns. Uh, it just it seems like the advice from Washington has been ever changing and no one really trusts what to do. What You as a doctor, what do you tell people who have questions about uh, how to navigate the process of COVID? Sure. Well, first of all, realize that nobody has a corner on, on everything that is COVID. No, not Fauci, nobody, maybe especially not Fauci in some cases, because I do think he's been politicized as well. And the one thing that the government has not done well is, is try to get people to look to the government for answers rather than their doctors. 
Uh, everybody is unique in their challenges to healthcare, uh, what their comorbidities are, what kind of medications they take, uh, how this can affect them and their family, how old their family might be. Uh, it really merits a good discussion with your physician rather than a politician. Uh, I was just talking to one of, the, one of the congressmen just last night, and he said, it's funny, I'm having call, people call my office and ask for advice on what to do for COVID. Gosh, go talk, go, go talk to your doctor and, and turn this back into something not political. Matter of fact, the biggest challenges we've had in, in handling this is the pushback when you when you force people to do something. There's a natural tendency for a certain segment of Americans to say, "You're not going to tell me what to do," and it actually makes medicine more difficult to deal with. Yeah, I bet so. Um, it, it, it's it, to some degree, I guess, it's an endearing tendency of Americans to push back on authority, and at the same time, we we do have this virus, and now we've got the Omicron variant, and it sounds like. There's been a massive freak out in advance of even any known cases coming into the country. And, and not only that, but also what, how deadly this disease is. If you listen to the physicians that are treating this in South Africa and, and what they're saying about it, it doesn't seem to be any more. Matter of fact, it might even be less deadly than other variants we've faced with, the, especially with the Alpha, Bravo and, and uh, Delta variants. Uh, I don't see it being more dangerous. We don't know that it's resistant to the vaccination, even though they're talking about having new spike proteins. Uh, but there's certainly just no evidence that this is going to be a more deadly disease than we already have. And what I'm concerned with is with we're going to have multiple more variants this in the near, next few months. And I'm concerned that this is going to be an excuse for more government overreach. I, I heard a kind of a pun on this where, where you talk about the ultimate end variant is going to be communism. Uh, and, and that's because people keep on overreacting to this. And we've seen where we've had multiple states that have had the most draconian control measures have not had better outcomes. They have just as much death, if not more. Uh, right now, you can see these northern states that, that have huge restrictions on mask mandates and vaccinations and work. And, and uh, they're having a huge outbreak up in the north, whereas down in the south where you've had open societies and people mingling and going to football games – uh, the prevalence just isn't as great. So I'm not sure that we're doing all the right things to control this and that we're not taking natural immunity into account. Uh, I do want people to be vaccinated, uh, by and large, who are over the age of 40, especially who have risk factors, because the statistics are just there. I mean, you're 11 times more likely to die, uh, 29 times more likely to be admitted if you're not vaccinated. But I get it, and, and I understand people who don't want to be vaccinated, especially people who have already had the disease, uh, you have a natural resistance, at least for some time, anywhere from six to 12 months. And, and uh, I get why people wouldn't want to be re-exposed and have some sort of hyperimmune response. Uh, so there is a concern, and especially with young people, too, who don't have the same uh, mortality rates. Uh, there are certain risks versus benefits that have to be taken into account. Look, that's that's well said, I and I appreciate you uh, coming in to talk about that. But and now I, I want to talk to you about something else as well. You in 2018, and I'm, I'm getting my years mixed up now, suddenly it's 20, uh, ran in the 7th Congressional District uh, against Carolyn Bordeaux, a district that has trended Democrat over time, uh, naturally due to, to population growth. Uh, you, you didn't pull it off, but you came very close. And now you got Lucy McBath in Georgia, the congresswoman who's probably the largest anti-gun advocate in the country, uh, jumping into that race against Bordeaux, who, although very progressive, handled herself very moderately in this Congress. And a lot of people were thinking you would run against Bordeaux again. You had sent some signals there. That district now is so unwinnable for a Republican. 
Uh, And I'm hoping that your days in politics are not done yet. Um, No, I I think we're putting you on the spot here. Well, thank you. I'm going to make the official announcement right now uh, since we're getting ready to make our press release. Anyways, we're definitely running in the sixth. Uh, it's going to come. It's going to take about 30 percent of the district we just ran in uh, combined with about the same amount from the sixth and then about another 30 percent from the ninth and the 11th. Uh, I think it'll be a great district for us. And I'm looking forward to the new challenge. Well, and now, of course, this is opening me up. I'm going to have to figure out how to get other candidates on. But there are a lot of candidates in the sixth congressional district. Uh, and you have uh, won the nomination, I guess, this last time. But uh, this this is going to be a district where you're going to have a big fight on your hands, it looks like. It will be, but I think financially we're secure. We're, we're definitely in the mix, top five in the nation for funds raised against Democrat incumbent. Uh, we have the name recognition. Uh, we have almost 30 congressional endorsements. Uh, the majority of uh, Republicans in Georgia have endorsed us. Uh, we have great local support and uh, a great down game. I have the best team in the world, so I'm, I'm just really excited about this. And, and I think if you look at my resume of service uh, to my community as a as a minister and, and as a physician and as a Marine, I, I think uh, I think I stand on that. Now, it, let me talk to you about this balancing your your work life because you ran for Congress in in 2020 and, and you got that experience in, in juggling all these balls. But you were actually an emergency room doctor while also running for Congress. How do you make that work and spend time with your lovely fl- family? Tell your wife I said hi, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, by grace, uh, prayer and, and uh, caffeine keep me going. Uh, but but I think I, I have to rely on grace and the family. I'm almost an empty nest now. I got one more kid left in the, in the school uh, as a senior. Uh, I got two you can have. Good to me. <laughs> I, well, after the seven that we've raised, uh, I think we we've done our part. Uh, you know, I, I love children. <laughs> Uh, but I think the time has come for another por- another stage in life where it's time to uh, just step up and continue service in a different way. And and, uh, and it was actually going to battle with Republicans that got me involved with this, uh, you know, people who were uh, selling out to special interests, you know, when it came to uh, surprise billing. And when I went down with a bipartisan group uh, of doctors down to the Capitol trying to solve a very real problem for 50 percent of Americans, uh, we need to do what's right. We need to do what's right now. And, and uh and not get involved in, in the special interest, but really talk about we the people. It shouldn't be about a politician. It should be about the people. Well, yeah, okay, so this raises an issue, and, and let me pull it out of the campaign per se and into you're talking about surprise billing. Republicans right now seem to, on the health care front, be running as we're, we're not Democrats. Uh, they tried that we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare, and they failed with Republican votes there. I mean, when you think about the health care challenges that we have, People in Washington try to break it down to something very simple and, and not necessarily something that's actually the problem. How do you, particularly being in an emergency room where so many people go who don't have insurance, how do you see this problem? Well, I, I get to witness failed policy firsthand. I mean, that's what I do for a living. Uh, I, I literally see people without insurance come in. I've watched uh, the runaway prices. Basically, you know, doctors don't make any more than they did uh, 10 years ago. And in fact, I don't think our, our our reimbursements keep up with inflation. But meanwhile, you see this huge increase in healthcare cost uh, spending. And you can talk about monopolistic practices of, of uh, hospitals. You can talk about uh, pharmaceuticals. You can talk about insurance companies. There's a lot of special interest up in D.C. And just recently, they came up with a bill to handle surprise billing on a federal level. We already did that here in Georgia. It took us three tries to get it passed. We have something that's very good here in Georgia, but the question is, is D.C. now going to circumvent that by saying we're going to take away 
the state rights by having a federal way to do this, but much more self-serving to special interests. And, and what we saw is Congress passed a pretty good comprehensive bill on surprise billing, and then the bureaucrats literally took it and rearranged it to totally get away from what they had tried to intend. And, and so there may be a lawsuit coming on that. But these are the problems. These are very complex issues that, uh, especially when it comes to health care, which will be one of the biggest costs in America in the next decade. Uh, matter of fact, if you went to a single-payer system, you're talking about adding $30 trillion to the national cost in the next 10 years. That's a conservative estimate. And, uh, and that doesn't mean better health care, by the way. That just means, and it's not free. $30 trillion is not free, but people will look at it that way, with the way it's sold from the Democrats. But once you de-incentivize people to work hard, uh, the one good example we have of, of a one-payer system is uh, the VA. Widely despised is one of the worst health care systems uh, in, in that kind of market. And, and I just think we're really in trouble if we don't have good creative solutions to this with uh, you know, pricing transparencies, uh, funded HSAs that can roll over, giving people the motivation to make the right decisions that help a free market react to the most efficient way of delivering medicine while still maintaining the quality. And, and that's a complex uh, discussion. I think the doctor's caucus needs more doctors in. Well, look, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you raised the VA because I, I'm, you're probably aware WSB-TV has done a report now on the thousands of scans at just the Atlanta VA over a number of years that never even made it into patients' records. So doctors never even reviewed them. And, and the number of people who uh, were not treated or mistreated because the doctors weren't aware of their scans, that's, that is such a horrible system. And with your medical background and both being a Marine as well, uh, taking on that system, it seems like everyone always campaigns on fixing the VA and we've still got this mess that continues to fester. There's a lot of ways to help the VA a lot. I think uh, we've kind of run our course when it comes to this system because we're not able to fix it through the government. We keep on turning to the government. I, I personally believe that we should incorporate it back into uh, civilian health care and make it competitive again because there's just not a whole lot of motivation. There's, there's a, a hospital in South Dakota that has a census sometimes, a weekly census of nine patients. Uh, the, the surgeons hardly do any surgeries. If it's anything complex, they send them out. So really there's no cost effectiveness to whatsoever, but yet it's protected as a cash cow for that district by its representative and by its senator, uh, not because it's a good hospital, but because it brings money to the community. That's just the wrong way of doing government, and that's one of the problems we have. Look, I, I could spend all day talking to you about this, but I'm out of time. I, I wish you the best of luck and, and really appreciate your insight onto COVID as well. Um, it's nice to get an emergency room doctor perspective on there. Uh, thank you for stopping by. Well, it's absolutely my pleasure. God bless you, and uh, thanks for everything you do for America. You too. Rich McCormick, uh, now running for the 6th Congressional District here in Georgia, Marine uh, emergency room doctor, went to Morehouse College and then did his residency at Emory, has been on the front lines fighting COVID and seen it firsthand in Gwinnett County, the fastest growing part of the Southeast.